You're listening to the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Harden, and I'm so glad you showed up for our relationship chat today, as well as for you and your people. We're all about living intentionally here so you can experience joy and balance in your relationships once again or for the very first time. Be sure you hang with us on our social media platforms. And if you like research like I do, make sure you check out our website at enneagramandmarriage.com for our weekly newsletter, freebies, and so much more, as well as at Instagram and Facebook. We have so many goodies to share with you. Let's dive right in together. Hello, thanks for joining us for another edition of the ENM Pod. I hope you're having a great day. And I am so thankful we have an extra special episode today. We get to talk all things Enneagram and conflict, and we get to welcome on the number one marriage couple podcasters out there, Tony and Elisa D. Lorenzo of One Extraordinary Marriage. Guys, we had them on before, but this time we get to talk about conflict in depth from a couple who has made their way through. And not only that, but actually mapped it out for us how to do it as well. And I am so geeking out with you if you're doing that with me. Also, I am sharing this one on YouTube visually at the request of my hubby, Wes. He loves visual. So here I am visually in YouTube. And um, he is so excited about that. So come check our YouTube ENM channel out. Also, the reason I'm going to share that is because we are going to be sharing the request recorded version of uh, this episode on YouTube with Tony and Elisa DiLorenzo. Their part is so cool because they actually got their book during our episode. The book we're going to be talking about today, they they of course had a, vi- a virtual copy and wrote the book. And then I also had reviewed it virtually as well, but they actually got their first hands on it on Amazon while they're with us. So it was so much fun to get to actually see that. So I'm sharing both this preview as well as uh, that video of them really getting a chance to, uh, to just unveil with us right on air. So thankful, great with you and um, here for it all with you. We are so hoping you had, if you are a nurturing person, a good mama's day. We have some fun episodes ahead for you too. So stay tuned for our episode on sleepless in Seattle and the types, and then also stay tuned for Marvel and the types. And of course, lots of goal centered, really moving you forward episodes as well. I wouldn't miss that for you with, but we like to pace here at ENM and we like to make sure that, you know, we have fun, special announcements coming up and all kinds of good stuff so that, you know, we're going to mix and match. We're going to give you the goal getting conflict and big stuff here and also have fun with it, but also really dig into just some relaxed episodes too. Okay. So quickly before they come on, I want to let you know that if you are in this as an Enneagram listener, which I know 99.9% of you are, you will come at these conversations we have with Tony and Elisa in a very nuanced way. So briefly, we're just going to go through the Enneagram vices so that you can truly realize when they're talking, this is the one thing you probably have to let go of. And maybe there'll be some generals too, uh, because you get to hear Tony and Elisa's, oh my gosh, there's so many levels they're going to share with you out of uh, the layers that we have from our family system. But as an Enneagram person, you also need to realize, hey, if I'm a, and I'll go through them now of what you want to make sure you're looking out for. If I'm a one, the vice I want to be looking out for 
is the anger and rage and resentment that I might be really bringing in here uh, that's really hurting this conversation. And I think it's helping me to like stuff it or to have righteous anger, but really what's going to bless the conversation and move you guys forward, which I know you want logically as a one, is the grace that you offer and extend, even while you share and decide together how to proceed. And it's going to look like, I'll say this to the two coming up too, both of your things coming in, not just you sharing, finally sharing your needs directly, and then you get them all. It's compromise. It's leaning in. It's looking at things from all perspectives, not just yours. Um, and so two, what you're going to be letting go of for your vice as you do this work with Tony and Elisa is your pride. Um, and you're going to come in with some humility. You're not going to come in with flattery about other people, other marriages, what you want only. You're going to say, here's what I want. Here's what I'm willing to do for self-care. Here's the boundaries I'm willing to set. But also here's what I need in order to live well, in order to really come into the fullness of this relationship with truth, with honesty, with love. You are worth that respect. Really want you to hear that. Okay. Threes. I want you to know that instead of coming in with the deceit, make sure you come in with truth, but softened truth. Remember the relationship is in the repair. So don't feel bad if you don't do it perfectly. No one does, but come in with your story or you will be stuck in this side story subplot. I know you don't want as a three and you need to be the hero of your story, you and your partner. So listen to them, be with them. Don't bring in any untruths. Take deep breaths, tell the truth. You are worth it. And if they love you, they will love you no matter what. And you deserve that. And so do they to have the truth. Okay. Fours, knowing you come in with envy and some melancholy. And yes, there's a sense of, we do get to lament and grieve, but you come in and do this for long times. You come in and ice people out. And it's important that you realize this is not going to bring you the relationship as a heart type that you want, need, and deserve. So make sure you come in with the equanimity that says, everything's in balance. Everything's okay. I have this and it's going to be just fine. I can come in with calm a little bit more healthily disaffected, not disaffected that I don't care, but with gratitude in a sense for I'm loved and I know that and I don't have to hold on so tight to these vices. Okay, fives, make sure you come in especially with, yes, some unaffectedness like we said to four, but in a way that doesn't make you uncaring in a way that says, I don't have to hold on so tight to my anxiety and my planning that are deeply embedded in a five, but that I can come into this argument with, I am a good planner. I do bring strategy, but my spouse brings something too. And bring in your desire to know with that. Like, what do they bring? What do I need? And don't take that as you're dysfunctional or deficient, but take it as we each bring something and we're more together. And I know fives like more. And remember that is statistically true as well. You are more together. So that out and allow flow to take place much more than just control and planning. Um, in your conflicts type, as the part of the fear triad that you exchange the fear for courage and the cowardice for action that is healthy. And don't visit that peaceful nine state six until you are ready for it after your hard work is done, because hard work is a good part of life that reduces anxiety. And remember as Tony and Elisa are chatting that you have to watch for that controlling just pushing your own agenda versus what's really going to bring the peace that you want and the joy and the harmony and the safety, which is listening and letting them share the truth. You can handle it. And that's very key for you to bring in instead of your vice. Now sevens, your vice is gluttony and this 
overdoing and managing your anxiety without healthy ways of self-soothing, that is also breaking the relationship, not bringing it the way you're hoping. And the rationalizations and the charms for just joy are actually blocking the true intimacy that even if you don't always desire it, it's so good for you. It's so key to the long and joyful joy-filled life that you want. So make sure that you are really aware of that so that you can make your decisions from there about how you're going to proceed instead of just bouncing around and flitting and not looking and trying to use these vices to get you guys to just surface level closeness. It really won't suffice. And eights with your lust, it's really a form of excess seeking for dominance, power, control so that you can't be controlled. But when you can't be vulnerable and into you miss those exact things that people need in order to have the most healthy survival value, which I know survival value is key for eights. So please remember opening your heart is not optional in relationships. It's just little by little, allowing that innocence to set in, allowing some faith to set in and allowing some trust one step at a time to set in versus the other piece of that less dominance, excess, even uh, vindication that you could be so prone to in a fight that really does none of those things. Okay. So as Tony and Elisa are sharing, lastly, nines, make sure you're really aware of your own movement towards sloth, even if it's just a self-forgetting, but especially if it's this move toward that plus oh, I have to keep the peace. I have to bear the harmony. That's my job. Instead, remember you are a bringer of harmony. You're a maker, a creator. This is your specific gift because you exude the gifts and perspective of all the types. So you have this important need and we all need you in the world to do your part too, even if sometimes your peace makes people not hear it. So share your P-E-A-C again or your P-I-E-C again, whichever it is, but in love uh, and little by little, so it doesn't come out volcanically and explosively. Do not forget your vice, whatever your type, so that when Tony and Elisa are sharing, you can keep inserting that right in. Okay. So make sure you check out Tony and Elisa in the show notes as you're walking through this episode with us, or if you're at your desk, make sure you grab their book. I'm putting it in the show notes. But first and foremost, you probably just want to hear from them. So I'm going to let them share with you once again. Tony and Elisa DiLorenzo are awesome, and I can't wait for you to get to hear from them. Tony and Elisa, we are so happy to have you back on the e Pod. Oh, well, thank you for having us. We're glad to be back and hanging out with all of you again. Yeah, thank you so much, Krista. Oh, well, we're so thankful and excited talking about goals all month. And you guys have a book coming out at perfect timing to talk about this with us. So thank you, especially for being willing to get into the nitty gritty of conflict with us today. Sure thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm so excited to hear that their book is literally due any minute, right guys? <laughs> Yes, it is. Like the actual physical book should be here yes. while we're doing this. Yes. So if it does, you'll all get the unboxing at live. That is so cool. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, we also have a great question. Somebody asked us about several times after your last interview with EM, and we've done a beautiful preview. You guys are literally the it couple for couples podcasts. Um, so you know, the best conversation cards out there. Can you tell us which ones we would want to get if we want to just have those everyday convos with our spouse? Absolutely. Um, our favorite, the one that sits in our car is called 88 Great Conversation Starters for Husbands and Wives. Um, this is the one that 
literally we, we keep it in the glove box so that when we're out on drives, which is, you know, typically the time that we're having these types of conversations mm -hmm. that we are, you know, really in that place, but we'll just pull out one card and usually Tony's driving. So I'm the one pulling it out and saying, okay. And yeah. you know, sometimes he just takes a minute to think about it. And then he answers first, or sometimes just because I've read it, I will go ahead and answer first, but those have been fun to ask and answer over the years. Yeah. Oh, and do the answers change sometimes, even as you notice things? I think they do yeah. because as we grow, right? Mm -hmm. And as we are just in this marriage journey together, we change, our spouses are changing, our environment, things are happening. And yeah. so I think that's part of life is realizing that. And even in marriage, more importantly, I don't think this is something Elise and I didn't have for many years mm -hmm. is understanding that, that the 21 and 19 year old who met. Yeah. Yeah. is different than the 49 and 48 year old you see in front of you today so yeah. a little bit it's okay that's uh, that's yes oh my gosh you guys are goals and I think everybody is just loving even just come back to their last episode guys if you didn't get to hear their adorable mute mute meet cute but these guys are just you've been doing this for a while so thank you for telling us these are the kinds of conversation starters that we can continue to have and uh yeah i love how you said we grow and change over years uh which makes marriage never officially boring which i love personally um but tell us about why now is the time for a book on conflict i i think it is but i wanted to know what really inspired you to to write this and tell us about your book too yeah, this book really has been, um, I think, I mean, I've been coaching couples for the last 10 years. So conflict has always been a part of what I do. Most people don't come to a marriage coach because they're like, hey, we're doing really good and we just want to get better. It's usually, hey, we're not doing so good. We keep having conflict in a certain area. And I started to really see a lot of patterns and it was through mm. those patterns. And especially over the last, the last three years have been really tough on marriage. Hmm. And, you know, whether it was all of us being in our homes together, you know, in 2020, when you've got like, a lot of people around you all the time and you can't get away, changes yeah. in the economy, you know, political mm -hmm. things that were going on, racial things, there were all of these, you know, kind of added pressures. Yeah. And we started hearing what, you know, in response to podcasts, emails, whatnot, just this elevation in the rise of conflict. Yeah. And I was seeing the coach or the clients I was coaching and, and it really became clear that what I was teaching my coaching clients had to be accessible. Mm. Well, that might need that initial, like, how do I get a little bit of help? How do I get started in even evaluating this? And that's really where the book was like, let me get my coaching into other people's hands. And mm. can I also say in our own marriage, Krista, yeah. like the last three or four years, the pressures, the things yeah. that are happening and changing and I think even Elisa and I had to address our own conflict cycle mm -hmm. and how are we resolving that in our marriage so we can have the extraordinary marriage we desire. Yeah. And so even us just looking internally going, what's going on? Mm -hmm. And how are we going to make change in our marriage so we can live out the extraordinary marriage we want? Oh my gosh, that is so vulnerable. And you really remind us that why I think partly you guys are so successful is you both are shooting for the ideals. And we need couples like that to say, uh, you don't have to have the average marriage all the time. Yes, there's going to be seasons where you have to kind of lower expectations, but over and above, we can keep climbing back up. 
keep climbing yes. back up together. And yes. you're saying when we climbed back down, it was practical. You know, like you said, this is a cultural phenomenon. It hit you guys too. Practically yeah. speaking, we were knocked on our butts. Um, but you're saying we didn't want to stay there. We're that couple that dusts ourselves off and gets back up and then helps other people up. Oh. That's right. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you guys. And we all appreciate that. And that's why we're focusing in on these goals of solving conflict this month here uh, as well because of this uh, marriage crisis. But tell us more about um, just in terms of you mentioned that we have the cultural overlays and this is even starting in, of course, family of origins and many generations back. So help us to know, even though it's so uncomfortable for some of us, myself included, why is it important for us to look backwards when we're trying to solve here and now conflict for going forwards? There are two major reasons. One is we tend to repeat what we've witnessed. Okay. So, the, you know, I, I, I am a prime example of this. We my, both are. We both are, uh, but I'll just, I'll just throw my own self under the bus. Sure. <laughs> um, Growing up, the way my parents handled conflict in their marriage is that my dad would slightly raise his voice. He would get very deliberate. And that was the, the signal that conflict was starting. My mom, on the other hand, was very conflict avoidant. She would totally, you know, freeze and, and, and actually flee, you know, the, the freezing yeah, yeah. and the flight. And so she would remove herself from a conversation with my dad and she would just kind of go into timeout and to anybody that's concerned, my, I, my parents know I share the story. I, okay. Yes. Oh, thank you. Uh, when we got married, I, I brought those same behaviors in. So I would, you know, Tony and I would get into conflict. I would hear just a slight change in his tonality and I would immediately shut down. I'm like, I'm not engaging with you. And in my family, mm-hmm. you know, in a large Italian family, and it wasn't uncommon for my dad and all his brothers and my mom and all my aunts and all of us cousins and my nunna, we'd all be at the table and the conversation would be going just fine, nothing major. And then all of a sudden, everyone would be screaming at each other. Oh, yeah. And that was my world that I grew up in. So everybody's screaming at each other. And by the end of the day, everybody's still giving each other hugs and kisses when you're leaving. it's over, it's done. And so when I'm walking into the marriage, and I'm looking at Elisa thinking, well, we're we're having a discussion and my voice is going up and my tone is changing. I'm thinking, why are you fleeing? Why are you shutting down? This is just, we're just having a conversation here, honey. And to her, because of her mom and dad, what she saw growing up, we had two vastly different ways of engaging one another in this so-called conversation or disagreement. Yeah, so you have... You have just the patterns that you've observed. And then you also have like, what did your family of origin fight about? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times if we haven't actually worked through, whether it's, you know, finances or parenting or household chores, again, those patterns get repeated and we have those same struggles moving forward because we haven't learned how to effectively resolve that, talk about it, deal with it. And so it's either, you know, topics or behaviors that we've seen growing up that, start to, when you actually start to analyze it, you're like, oh, oh. wait a minute. Mm-hmm. I got to do a little bit of business. I just got to understand myself because it's amazing how much more proactive you can be in conflict. If you understand where you've come from and you don't just think everything is out of your control. Mm. Thank you for that reminder. As much as I may teach it, it really changes when somebody else teaches it back to me. And I'm sure the audience is the same. It's like, 
oh yeah, that theory. Yeah, that's real. (laughs) And we have to do that. We can't just go forward practically speaking as much as we might want to. Um, And I also love how I'm just thinking of your types. I'm like, you guys could really bless one another when you can give the best out of those traits to each other to be able to communicate directly like Tony's family. And I know your physical copy is on its way here, but I was able to pre-read thankfully um, and and get to learn more about your family systems. And, and that Elisa's like, Hey, but I have some value in knowing when to pause. Um, yeah. So I know you had strengths you could give to each other. I'm yeah. sure that you found over the years too, right? And and that's a big thing because a lot of times in conflict, we either look at ourselves and and view ourselves, you know, through the lens of our weakness, or we look at our spouse Mm -hmm. and identify, oh, well, you don't do this well, and you don't do this well, instead of saying, you know, actually evaluate where are our strengths Mm -hmm. doing conflict? What are the strengths I see in you? Because again, it shifts our perspective on our spouse. Mm -hmm. If we start looking at where they are strong. Mm -hmm instead of where they're weak and actually, and getting even to the place where you can verbalize their strengths. Mm. And you, like you were just saying there to actually be more unifying than, you know, adversarial. Wow. That's a great reminder. And I often think of mine, what are my strengths? And then I think that negative attribution can come in with our spouses, like, but they're bad. And so it's helpful to hear. We each have strengths and you guys also clarify the trauma cycle or the conflict cycle really, really well. Um, Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about that. I know we need to see it in person. I hope everyone will grab your book too, but tell us about that. The typical cycles of escalation. Cause I haven't seen that done so well. And I'm really proud of you guys. Like in that sense of just another marriage worker here coming alongside you, like that's impressive that you put that together. Perfect. Okay. Book is here. So yeah. let me. So he's gonna, I'm going to talk about the conflict cycle. Okay. And yes. book and we'll share it with everybody here for the first time. Awesome. Um, what I diagram in the book and what I'm going to share with everyone here really came out of watching hundreds of couples sit in front of me and, and understanding that there was a dance that they did. And almost every couple does this, you know, yeah. it, it, it's pretty universal. So yeah. you get to a place where the conflict starts. It's that initial, like, Oh, the air just changed here. <laughs> yeah, Just fine. And now we're yeah. not. Yeah. And you might start having those physiological responses, depending on how you respond mm-hmm. to stress, but that's usually the first indicator of we're not good. Mm. And the, you know, you can get into that place of saying, what just happened? What just happened? So that if it doesn't get interrupted there, we'll, you know, move to a place where, you know, it's starting to build and we're starting to get into that escalation, right? Where it's mm. like, okay, what's what's happening here? It, it's getting a little more intense. We're still trying to figure out, okay, can we, can we can we get out of this? Is this is this going to be a big thing? Is this going to be a little thing? Like where, you just feel that rising pressure, right. and then it gets to to the red zone, to the boiling point. Yes. Of oh crap! Like we are in, literally in the red zone. Somebody is probably seeing red. You know, you can't yeah. hear. You know, just your ears aren't working. Your brain isn't working. We've literally gone into just pure emotion. Yeah. And you know, in that place, you know, you get the people who are very loud, maybe very aggressive. You know, that's the whole fight response. Yes. You people who you know almost go blue and move into like a freeze response, where you know they're just like, oh, I can't do anything. You can get the, the fleers, the flight response, mm-hmm. where it's like, I, I just, I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here. This is too yeah. much for me. And then in doing the research for this book, I found out that there's actually a fourth response. 
which blew me away, but I think it's so important to even share. And that's the fawn response, which is where somebody's just going to try and appease. They're going to be the people pleaser. And you see all of that come out in that boiling point. Um, And being able to understand, even for myself, understanding that freezing and fleeing are two separate responses. I vacillate between the two of them. And it was helpful Mm -hmm. in research to be able to share that with Tony. So he's like, okay, that's what you're doing. And then coming out of uh, that boiling point, couples will start to cool down. That's where people might go to their own separate spaces and just they're processing or they're trying to figure out how are we going to re-engage. And then finally, the the last point is either resolution where you actually come back together and you talk through it and you get into this place or you just return to status quo, Mm -hmm. which is typically where, you know, things might get just swept under the rug. We're not going to talk about it. It's just going to kind of be like, we're just gonna pretend that didn't happen. Yeah. So that that's that's how the cycle is diagrammed. Oh my gosh, that's so helpful. I love that. And I have not seen that. So I'm extra excited, seriously. Um, and you have your book, right? I do. I do. He just brought it in here. So I don't you're gonna have to read that because I'm not sure I have to do that. Oh one. my gosh, so fun. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Oh, he's like, yes, you can. Amazon is so it's really good. I love it. Like, wow. What a gorgeous oh, cover, man. you guys. Thank I, you, Krista, for allowing us to unbox. Wow, wow. The lights just catch it's it a little glossy. But it's, it's glossy. Wow, this looks fantastic. Job, Tony, Tony does the works with all the design team. I get to do all the inside and he does all the the works with the design team. Yeah, to make this sure is awesome together. So thank you. What a moment. And what Elisa just described is in chapter five. And she describes it all, as you said, Krista, and and you can see the conflict cycle in each in each piece. She mm-hmm. she breaks it all out in there. Oh wow, thank you so much for allowing this looks this is a yeah. Well, I think this is even more like impactful for me than the six pillars the 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 beginning the first really? book yeah i think i think it's the color i think it's just the way it showed up on on yeah. sharing it yeah. so it's great yeah. it looks we'll sure. it, yeah. it's available so go grab it <laughs> <laughs> and i love how it includes at the top about breaking the conflict cycle right there so that's something that's this new and improved wow well and yeah. like you were just saying you hadn't seen it diagrammed before yeah. and that I, I think you know couples feel that there's a cycle yeah you know, they feel that there are these patterns that they have but until they can get to a point where they're able to diagram it it just feels very like mm-hmm. who are we and what do we do but when you can write it down on paper and this is what I do with my coaching clients I have them you know pick the same scenario fill it out separately and then when they bring it together all of a sudden that dance literally you, they can understand their steps they understand their spouse better and they can start to look for ways to interrupt those cycles oh my gosh it's not just like floating out there it's very specific and in that diagram too we are we are very clear on each of those pieces there is a blank area in between so they don't <laughs> meld together. There's a blank in between okay. for the purpose of you have the opportunity after each one to go, are we going to remove ourselves from this conflict cycle or are we going to keep going? Mm-hmm. So we have that so choice. choice. Mm-hmm. Wow. And it could be at one, two, three, 
and then you finally go, oh, wow, we're not going to continue on. Mm -hmm. We're going to resolve this. We're going to, or it could be earlier on, but we did that because we want couples to know, like, you don't have to go through the conflict cycle. Mm -hmm. There are times when you can get to resolution after the first one and go, no, we're not going to get to boiling point. We're going to get, mm -hmm. we're going to just resolve this now. We're going to step out of this conflict cycle and we're going to resolve this right now. So that way we don't have to go through the whole thing. Interesting. So sometimes we don't need the whole thing. It's just a matter of saying we're going to press pause for a minute. Maybe the kids are here or we don't need the whole thing because we're going to do it wiser. Are there lots of different reasons why you might pause? Well, you can, you know, choosing to interrupt how you do conflict, like trying to set, and I said too, it's a choice. We don't have to automatically go all the way around. If we know enough, you know, through doing the exercises about how our spouse might be feeling, like case in point, I had a couple that every time they started to get into conflict, the husband immediately thought, I've done something wrong. I'm in trouble. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until they diagrammed it that his wife's like, you're not, you're not always in trouble. Hmm. And so what it, that allowed him, to, that allowed this couple to do is that when they, at the initial onset, she could identify and speak out loud. Hey, I want you to know you're not in trouble. Wow. We're having an issue about finances or the kids or the unexpected car repair bill or whatever it might be. And so he engaged differently so they could, you know, got to a point where they could have a discussion about whatever the problem was because mm -hmm. he hadn't automatically been triggered into thinking, well, you know what, this is all about me and I've got to put on my body armor and I've got to go on the defensive and all these kinds of things. And so as you diagram your cycles, you can choose as you've learned about yourself and your spouse, how am I going to respond here? Now, doesn't mean you're, oh, you're going to avoid conflict and you're going to have a conflict free marriage. You're going to be able to heal and repair faster as you understand that. Yeah. And that's important because sometimes we need to have conflict so that we can teach one another. And, and I, I think Everyone's learning that together, that conflict is okay and safe, but, or can be, but you guys are actually showing us versus just the pursuer distance or cycles we're used to seeing. You're saying there's a rhythm. We see it here together. And these are the possible moves. And I like how you spell out these yes. freezing and fawning and all these different things happen differently. Um, so with this, in mind, what do you think couples can do if they find themselves in the midst of the cycle escalating and they do want to finish it out, but they, but they don't know how, because they're escalated. Absolutely. This is where, you know, being able to, and I talk about it in the book, being able to give the gift of time. Mm -hmm. And this looks, you know, there's typically somebody, not always, but typically somebody in, you know, a conflict that's like, no, we're going to do this right now. Like, I am not letting you walk out of this room. We are going to, like, I need to process this because I don't want to sit with all my emotions. I call them the fast processor in the book. And, you know, that's mm -hmm. often married to a slow processor. Somebody mm -hmm. who's like, I need some time to just kind of get emotionally regulated again. I need to yeah. think what I want to say. I, I, I'm so flooded right now. I can't actually have a conversation with you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so you've got fast and slow not right or wrong. They equally coexist. Um, but getting into this place of understanding that time is a gift in marriage mm. and when you conflict, the person that asks for time, they are receiving that gift from that fast processor that mm -hmm. wants to be emotionally like, let's take care of this. Let's take care of this. Yeah. That person that has asked for the gift of time has to give the gift of re-engagement of coming back to the conversation mm -hmm. of not just sweeping it under the rug, but of saying, Hey, 
I'm grateful that you gave me the gift of time to process. Here's how I want to talk about this with you. I've had time to think through my position or how I feel about this, or even just what was going on in my life when I walked in the door and I started snapping, you know, like whatever that might be. And I want to be emotionally intimate with you and have this conversation so that we can move towards resolution. And we aren't just hanging out in, you know, a living room that's got 25 gigantic elephants in it about all the things we haven't talked about. That's powerful. So that when we're saying, sure, go ahead and take this pause, we have some assurance that this partnership has uh, a guarantee later to talk about it so that we don't feel alone and abandoned. That's a trust issue. If you ask for time to process and you don't come back and and bring closure to that conversation, your spouse loses trust in you and they will be much less likely to give you that time the next time you ask for it because they're like, "Uh -uh. Mm uh-uh, that did not work so well for me last time. We're going to sit here and we're going to hash it out. And then you're going to feel like your trust has been broken because it's what you've asked for and you're not getting it. And so this becomes a phenomenal way for, for a couple to build trust and to feel more secure so that they can work through the conflicts. And in our marriage, the way that looks is I'm a fast processor. Elisa is a slow, methodical processor. And so when we do get into our disagreements and we're entering the conflict cycle, part of the resolution for us is I'm able to share what is happening, where I'm at. And then I give Elisa basically the baton to go, I know you need to process all this. And so I need you within the next 24 hours, 48 hours, whatever that may be. Typically it's it's a 24 hour because if we go 48 hours, I'm already gone. I'm forgetting. So it's more like within the next 24 hours, you need to be able to process and let me know that we can resolve this Mm -hmm. disagreement, this argument, wherever we may be. And so that allows her to then go, okay, I can process, I can come back to Tony and we can, I can give him what I see, the details, the, the areas that I need closure on, or I need more information on. And that also allows me as a fast processor to slow down, Mm. get out of a heightened emotional state to then come back and we can get outside. We can change up the environment Mm -hmm. to then resolve that conflict cycle. Beautiful. I love it because now you're leaning in together and you're healing. And like you said, there's not these 25 elephants in the room. It's just you two, (laughs) maybe some kids, (laughs) but, but it's really beautiful. And so you're saying the how of communication is so important as we're doing these cycles. Can you give us maybe another example of somebody you guys have seen or walked through this with that um, relates a little differently than your pairing, but still struggles to communicate? Like what's something else our listeners might be able to learn in that way to communicate? Yeah. You know, communication isn't just the words you speak. It's how you say them and what your body is doing as you're saying them. Because it's one thing to say good morning and be completely uninterested. It's another thing to walk into you know, your kitchen and be like, good morning. And, and you can just it, it, say two words, but it sounds completely different. And even watching your face on the screen here, as I was saying that you had a completely different response. Yeah. And, and so, you know, are there going to be problems? Are there going to be challenges that every marriage faces? Yes. Two human beings living in the world. There are going to be challenges. Yeah. How you choose to communicate. How long do you know? How long do you wait to communicate? 
right? If some, I was talking to a coaching client the other day and they're like, well, this has been bothering me for probably two years. I'm like, okay, well, we need to shorten that period of time. Yeah. Because you rehearse a lot of things and, and that rehearsal comes out in the words that you speak and the intensity. So mm-hmm. being mindful of your facial expressions. I mean, I've told people in the past, I'm like, hey, go in the mirror and you know, say whatever you were going to say to your spouse before you say it to them and watch yourself. Do you look engaging? Do you look like somebody that they'd want to be close to? That's and- a really good question. <laughs> Just laughing, people- thinking of how we probably look when we're in those <laughs> moments of reckless hate or just anger. Well, and I've seen it with my coaching clients and, you know, I'm on zoom for coaching. And so they have the option they want their session recorded. And so some of them have gone back and they're like, we look like that. And that's when I realized what a powerful exercise. We don't see ourselves fighting. Yeah. Mm. We don't hear our words because when we're saying them and we're so emotionally charged, we feel justified. Our brain is telling us you're doing a great job. You keep saying whatever it is you, say you say you know why <laughs> right but when we stop and have that moment of going, what what did I just say yeah because you see it in your spouse you see it in the response and so it's being mindful of those things that's cool I love that I love that you guys are saying these nonverbals are accounting for a lot more than you realize and not just theirs yours too so when we're looking at our, our language, we have to look at not just the words, but mm-hmm. how we're saying everything. What a good reminder as we look at conflict goals. Yes. Um, visual- say that again. We say tone and timing, your tone and the timing of when you bring something up have massive impact. Mm-hmm. Mm. And so understanding those two help you to go, okay, how are we going to enter into this? conflict cycle and be able to resolve it quickly. Hmm. Well, I like that. And I think the visual of people seeing this chart in your book will help in this way that I was just listening to an evolutionary biologist on a podcast. And she was talking about how male brains have the different, you know, of course, by and large, there's going to be some females that have this too, but, um, but by and large have the ability to unpack or pack trunks of cars differently um, and more efficiently, which then I just said to Wes, my husband, I was like, oh, good, honey, you get to do this now. Like another thing for you to resent me about, <laughs> we were just teasing, but I was like, but I'm going to cheerlead you now. And, and you can think really happy. Like I'm good at this because he is honestly better than me at packing the trunk when we go on trips. And so we were cracking up, but, but the truth is, as I think about men being perhaps a bit more visual here, because ongoing study after study, after study shows this, maybe this part will help them too. In that way. Does that make sense? Absolutely. It's been yeah. Watching um, coaching clients, husbands and wives work through the cycle because I, I it, it got used on a lot of coaching clients before it ever made it into a book. Mm. Um, watching them have these revelations was, it was powerful for me to receive that as the coach, to watch a husband and wife, to watch a husband be able to, because it's not just what happens between the two of us in conflict, it's also what's happening internally. I I talk about it in the book, the internal conflict cycle, understanding yourself, what am I experiencing? And not just being these reactive human beings that are like, I can't control anything. (laughs) Wait a minute, I can choose my words here. I can choose to pause. I can choose to take a deep breath here and say, 
Let me gather myself. We get to choose once we become aware of our behaviors. Mm. Wow. That's so helpful and so hopeful because that's what couples need nowadays is you don't have to stay stuck all the time. But I hear you guys saying, if we're paying attention to our timing, our tone, um, all these other pieces, and there's not that many, but when we're looking at this, um, I do believe it'll help. And I'm glad you guys have seen this with some of your couples already too. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Well, tell us a little bit more. I know you guys have already shared so much and I want people to grab the book, but one last question before that is, um, when we are looking at our marriages and, um, you know, just thinking about doing conflict better together in this hopeful way, and we don't want to be overly idealistic, like you said, we're still going to have some, but yes. what do you think has really changed for you guys once you began to enact this healthier dynamic and you saw the cycle play out and you kind of charted it and you realize we can get off and stop when we need to, and we can keep going uh, to finish things up. Like what changed for you as a couple, as we work towards those ideals? I think for me, um, having an awareness of those different responses has been huge. Cause it wasn't like, I remember early in our marriage, Krista, Tony sat me down after, I don't know, probably six or seven years. And he's like, you cannot keep shutting down on me when we're in conflict. This is not working for me. I need you to engage. And I literally in that moment was completely shut down and barely listening to him. I'm like, it's like a California blackout. I'm like, whatever, dude, I'm not listening to you. <laughs> Done. Oh, no. like, okay. So having that understanding of myself and my response allows me to participate differently. Like I've learned how to make eye contact during conflict. I've learned how to stay. I've de- I mean, it's, de- it's all skill development. I've developed the skills to stay in the conversation and to, to breathe and to regulate myself so that I'm not like, I'm out of here, dude. Yeah. I'm out. And to- uh, conversely, Tony has rec- come to recognize when I am starting to slip into that because I'm not perfect. Yeah. And, you know, whether it's through touch or whether it's through just lowering his tone of voice so it doesn't feel as threatening to me, yeah, you know, yeah. in that place. And that's just my perception. It's not that he's being threatening. It's my yeah. perception. Mm-hmm. And so because he chooses different responses when he knows my response, I can stay in and engage with him longer. So I think for me, it's been the engagement. And also we recover a lot faster because we understand the cycle. So we can get to heightened conflict, but we can come down and get to resolution a lot faster. Yeah. And for me, Elisa said it, it's the time frame. So what used to be something that we would have, like we'd be on pins and needles, we'd be walking on eggshells for three days, four days, maybe a week mm. that has come down to less than 24 hours. Oh. And, I, and I mean, and for, I would say for a number of those disagreements, I mean, we're, we're probably under two hours in going through it, resolving, moving forward. And so we're not sitting in this place of like, is she still mad at me? Is he still mad at me? Are we going to go down the road that we don't want to go down? You know what I mean? And, and, And just so you start thinking of all these things that could be happening. And instead of doing that, we've just gone like, nope, time frame is we were, we're resolving this so much quicker than we ever had. And I think that's the big benefit mm-hmm. as you learn how to deal with conflict um, and you break that conflict cycle, you get to that point where it's like, okay, we're good. Like two hours or even 24 hours later, you're like, we're done. We don't have to sit on this for three days or four days. Like, oh. let's, go. let's, let's build our marriage. All right. We've, we've gone through it. Here we go. Let's keep moving forward together. 
Oh my gosh. And nice for us to hear this great diversity of ours, because I think we have a lot of different personality types who are tuning into the show. So it really comforts those who do need a little longer to take even up to 24 hours. I tend to be a fast processor. So you guys are giving more grace than I do. And I want my listeners are like, yay, Tony and Elisa need to come on the show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're nicer. But like, um, I give a lot of grace too for previous generations and you guys did too. I'm just teasing. <laughs> but we all are like learning to give grace. And like I said, I'm learning to give more grace because of you saying that. Um, sometimes it takes up to 24 hours, but what you're saying is this was taking days before. And we all know there's listeners out there who are like, no, 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 it's not days. It's weeks. It's, it's months. Um, and we've had so many clients like that, all of us. So I'm very pleased to hear you saying also, it could be down to even just a couple of hours because there are those other people out there who have said to me, we shouldn't have any conflict. Two hours is a waste. And I think it's important for you guys to hear from the number one marriage podcasters out there. It, your marriage is worth a couple of hours to settle things, right? And more. And what I would say is, you're two, and I, I mentioned it earlier, you're two different people. It's, mm -hmm. It concerns me if a couple wants to have zero conflict mm -hmm. in their marriage because one of the one of the lines that I didn't even realize I was writing until I wrote it in this book is that, you know, opportunity or conflict is either an opportunity to create either an opportunity for a gold mine or a landmine. Right. Mm -hmm. So it can either blow up your marriage or it can be that gold mine of information that says, what do I learn about who my spouse is or what they're going through in this moment? Mm -hmm. What has changed in their life? What maybe they're stressed at work or they're dealing with things that I don't even know about because we've been disconnected. Maybe it's just the disconnection. Yeah. That's the gold mine of information that I'm going to gather here. So it's okay and it actually does strengthen you. I mean, iron sharpens iron. We do become yes. stronger in going through conflict. It's how we do it and can we do it well. Mm. I love that phrase about the landmine or the gold mine. Mm. That is so hopeful for, like you said, that couple that's so in their ideals that they can't imagine any conflict. So that is just like so life-giving. Thank you guys. And last time you were on, you reminded us some of this can be done on a walk and talk. Some people like to look in the eyes. Some people would prefer not to. So you were reminding us even of the places and ways we talk. So thank you for that too. You're welcome. You're welcome. Well, tell us now where we can get the book. I got to see it. Everyone's getting to see it, but we would love to hear about how it can be accessible. You guys also have such a wonderful newsletter and you do fun events. So I'm excited for you to share. Yeah. So best place to get the book, you can go to conflictresolutionbook.com. Mm -hmm. That's oh the place. Go to conflictresolutionbook.com. You can pick it up in paperback, Kindle, um, and eventually we'll have audiobook. Ooh, wonderful. Thank you. And where can everybody check in with you two just to get your regular updates too? Yeah. Yeah. Go to one extraordinary, oh, one extraordinary <laughs> marriage.com. We said, said it too quick there. So one extraordinary marriage.com and you can get everything, uh, what's happening with us and you can connect with us there as well. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you guys. You guys just have such a life-giving ministry and vision out there for couples of all shapes and sizes. I just so appreciate uh, you taking time with the E&M audience today. We are just grateful for all your work all across the board in marriage and especially here around this huge topic. So thanks thank guys. You. Thank you. Thank you so much, Krista. Mm-hmm. 
You guys, I am so very glad that we get this chance to process together what we've learned. And I really encourage you to grab Tony and Elise's book. It is very special when you get to see people working together as a couple to bring new information to light. And they've done it. And that doesn't always happen, as you know, from our episodes. And when we see this powerful dynamic together, when we really light up the world together with our gifts, we can do extraordinary things. So that's what I love about One Extraordinary Marriage. That's what I love about your marriage as you work out your conflict. So continue to learn and grow with us. You know where to find everything we do. You know where to go, the show notes, so that you can continue to grow and glow together. Okay, talk to you guys soon. Thank you again for listening with us. It was so wonderful to have you. I love knowing we're doing this journey together, not perfectly, but with love, grace, and hopefully some fun too. If you love today's episode, make sure you leave us a five-star review at Apple Podcast or Spotify so others can find it too. Visit our show notes so you can get all the links from today's show, as well as EnneagramAndMarriage.com, the Instagram, the Facebook, and all over the place. Make sure you spread the word. Love living intentionally with you. Bye-bye.